podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, I think any time a talent hangs around with a batsman in that in that sort of situation, it can drag on. Um, we've been in that position many a times as in the fielding in the fielding side of things. So um, we know as a bowling group and, a, and even a batting group, they um, they're sort of ready to go, but it just keeps dragging and dragging. So I think it's no different for, for any team in that position. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menas, and I'm here to wrap up day two of the first test versus New Zealand. Australia's in Wellington. And do I have a special guest for you? For old-time listeners of this podcast, I'm bringing back one of the original panellists, one of the people that joined the show in its most embryonic stage. I'm talking about aptly, aptly for this wrap up kiwi bob kiwi bob welcome back to the podcast after a long absence well yeah thank you very much for having me Minas. it's my absolute pleasure to attend i wish i wish it could be under slightly more positive circumstances from my side but i'm sure the aussie listeners will be very happy with how day two went uh, in the test match and yeah looking forward to get into it um you know it was a long time since i've been on the show um my very first episode was when if you remember there was a bit of controversy with glenn mcgrath doing a bit of poaching in, in Africa. Um, so that was a very long time ago, but um, obviously a lot's happened in the cricket world since then and a very, very big day today as well. So uh, lots I, to I also, rem- I also remember, I think, gloating when Australia beat New Zealand in the 2015 World Cup final. So I think, you know, that's how long you've been coming on the show. Um, and I'm here to gloat again because Australia have had an absolutely dominant day in Wellington. They have pulled New Zealand's pants down. It has been ultra embarrassing for the Kiwis. New Zealand started the day nine for 279. They went on to make 383, a 116 run last week at partnership between Hazelwood and Cameron Green. Cameron Green finished 174 not out. So if that wasn't bad enough, then at uh, New Zealand slumped to five for 29. They limped to 179. Nathan Lyon taking four for 43. Josh Hazelwood, two for 55. So they gave up a 204-run deficit, and Australia did not enforce the follow-on. I think that deficit will be the decisive difference in the game, and I don't think I'm Einstein in thinking that. Um, and then Australia did lose a couple of wickets before stumps. Australia were two for 13, Smith and Marnus Labuschagne back in the pavilion, but that lead is already 217. Bob, what a humiliating day for New Zealand cricket. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think that the New Zealand team would have arrived at the ground this morning fairly confident and fairly optimistic. I think uh, you summed it up well with yesterday's uh, day one report where you said it was kind of an even day. It, it did ebb and flow, whereas today was a one-way slide um, all the way right from ball one, I think. Um, just I, I don't know what the plan was from the Kiwis early on. You know, they had a new ball. I think it was three or four overs old. Um, and they're bowling at the tail with one wicket to get. And we had uh, guys on the boundary. We had really inconsistent lengths. Um, and I just thought, you know, with a tail ender at the crease, you pitch it up, you throw a couple of slips in and let the pitch uh, do its do the work for you. So yeah, I was really, really surprised by that. But, you know, in saying that, um, hat, tap, uh, hat tip to uh, Hazelwood, of course. I think he batted really, really well supporting Cameron Green and um, 
I think Green really showed a maturity beyond his years this morning as well, didn't he? He, he was very, very patient. He waited for the ball. And when, when he got the ball he was looking for, he knew exactly where he was going to hit it. I think he manipulated the field perfectly. And, um, you know, the Kiwis really didn't have any answers. And I think we'll talk a bit later on with the effect of Nathan Lyon. I think potentially um, paying the price for not including a specialist spinner this morning, Menas. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um because maybe that would have made a difference. I mean, I thought Cameron Green really manipulated the strike well, and and you say Hazelwood batted well. He ended up making twenty two off sixty two deliveries. So, you know, I, I thought well, they batted through the first hour and they brought up a fifty partnership of sixty two balls. And when New Zealand didn't take a wicket in the first hour, I was like, okay, this is not good. But then it just got worse and worse. They brought up a hundred partnership of 133 balls and Green was just picking his spots. He was holding the strike, maybe playing three or four balls and then he was trying to find the boundary, he was trying to get back on strike and I don't think this is just a New Zealand problem but I think Australia haven't bowled well to the tail recently and yet there probably is too much focus on trying to get the number 11 out. Like as you said, they've got a new ball, just play good cricket. Bowl a good length to Green and Hazelwood. Don't muck about with the bouncer and all the the boundary riders, and just just play normal cricket, and you'll probably get the wicket. And it, it just really got away from them. Obviously, you know, I have such fond memories of when um, McGrath and Jason Gillespie, I think, put on a hundred and fourteen against um, the Kiwis many years ago in a in a, another embarrassing last wicket stand for New Zealand and. Um, this one didn't quite have the same joy because you had Green out there who's a, a batter, but, you know, it certainly just drove the, the nail into the, the coffin for New Zealand because they'd stayed with Australia a lot yesterday. You know, they had Australia 4 for 89 and really they're thinking, how good are we doing? You know, 4 for 89, 5 for 156, 6 for 176, and then Australia make it to 383. And at one stage it looked like Hazelwood and Green were going to bat for lunch, but Hazelwood just before lunch popped one to mid-off, sort of driving one, and he was out for 22. That ended the partnership at 116. They made 383. Um, Green finished 174 off 275 balls. His highest scoring test, his third highest in first-class cricket. And for the Aussies, that was their highest ever last wicket stand against the Kiwis, 116. Third highest in New Zealand and fourth highest by an Australian pair. And, yeah, just such a dominant session for Australia there. And uh, did, did you sort of foreshadow what was to come? Because I was thinking, God, if Hazelwood and... Green are batting this well. Maybe Williamson and a few of the Kiwis will, will dig in and make a game of it. Yeah, I think it's something that hasn't really been talked about a lot. But the reason I think New Zealand elected to bowl first um, was because this pitch actually does get better to bat on. Um, we've seen a lot of big fourth, well, third and fourth inning scores at Wellington at the beautiful Basin Reserve. It's the, the place where Brendan McCullum brought up his triple hundred quite famously um, against India a few years ago. Mm. So... You know, I was thinking that, you know, we get this last wicket um, and then we can settle in and probably make the best of batting conditions today. But, um, yeah, unfortunately not to be. Um, and, and I do really wonder about the plan. Um, I, I thought one of the standout, I think, uh, pieces on the scorecard was the sundries. It was the, the second highest scorer for Australia was actually the extras. Uh, I think it was 41. Um, and included 21, 12 wide. buys, yeah, six leg buys, 20 wides, three no balls. 
Willow yeah. Rourke was um, um, the culprit for a few of those. But go on. Yeah. Well, he, he was trying to, I think, so he's the enforcer, if you like. He's the, I think, probably the tallest uh, of the of the Kiwi bowlers. And he's been brought in, I think, um, with, a, with a big rap on his name. And obviously took nine wickets in his debut against South Africa recently. Um, so probably feeling very encouraged, maybe got a little bit excited, but yeah, he was spraying them all over the place. I think Tom Blundell did a really good job behind the stumps, actually. Um, so it's not really fair on him to look at those sort of 20 wides and point the mm. finger at the keeper. Um, yeah, so I think O'Rourke definitely was responsible for, for a few of them. And, but I think you're right. I, I think it really upset the the psychological uh, or the psychology of the Kiwis, and I think they were not expecting to spend that long in the field. And as it went on and on, um, it, it really rattled them. And we saw that when they came out to bat after lunch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I should mention Matt Henry ended up with five for 70. He took that last wicket and he bowled superbly. Um, and Cameron Green, I, I just want to say what I loved about that innings was the way he went through the gears. He he built, it was, yep. you know, it was a classic test innings. Get you, you know, and, you know, these, and I don't mean to sound like an old, Curmudgeon, but you know a lot of these young players. They think you just got to go out there and take it to the bowlers, and if it doesn't work, well, bad luck. Try again the next day. But you know you can dig in like he did and play yourself in and get used to the conditions, and then accelerate and take advantage of that later on as your innings um, progresses. So I just like the way he um, did that, but I also like the fact that it was. As you say, I mean, the second top score was Sundry. So, you know, he was the dominant force in this innings. I mean, uh, he stood up. He was the one that has carried Australia to that 383. And no one else really made a significant contribution apart from, you know, Mitch Marsh, 40, was the second top Mm -hmm. batter. So, um, you know, it really is just a a milestone moment for Green, not just to show that he can do it at test level, but he can be this sort of alpha male uh, dominant sort of batter and, you know, control the test match. And, you know, we've seen how good he can be. Um, So, yeah, fantastic innings. Um, But then after lunch, well, it was a horror show for the Kiwis. Latham bowled by Starkoff five, score was one for 12. It was just timid in defence. The ball came back at him and it just um, went on to the stumps. But then um, two balls later, the wheels absolutely fell off because Kane Williamson was run out for a duck trying to get off the mark. He defended the ball uh, to sort of mid-off, Took off, took off for a run, was watching the ball, ran into Will Young, then ran into Stark and then was run out. And, Bob, it was a calamity. I mean, this is – I mean, you know, you sort of look at um, three things happened today that to sum up the day. That last wicket partnership, then this run out, and then at the end of the day the drop catch, which we'll get to. I mean, it was just – it was just a, a bit of a joke. And, and, and you know, like, what, Kane Williamson should be watching the other batter. I mean, that is a schoolboy error. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The New Zealand team have shown such remarkable sort of mental fortitude over the last few years, really, to become number one in the World Test Championship. Mm. Uh, but Australia made them look like schoolboys today. Um, you know, I think you nailed it with the intent there with Kane. I think he was trying to get off the mark. I think he was trying to show some... Um, you know, positive intent. And so at first I thought, was there even a run there? But there probably was, but it was touch and go. Very, very sharp fielding. I think it was Manus, wasn't it? Um, really sharp yeah, fielding. Was, yeah. But um, this is really basic stuff. Uh, I haven't played cricket to a 
particularly high level, but even at the level I was playing at, we would talk about, you know, make sure you slide your bat when you reach your ground. Um, make sure you don't run into your batting partner when you're running between the wickets. Exactly. Um, it was just absolutely horrible. And I think 5 million Kiwis, just, just our hearts just dropped, I think, at that moment. I think, you know, if we want to push Australia close in this match, we really need a performance from, from our main man, Kane Williamson. Um, and that really piled the pressure on the on the other batters. And I think we just saw um, a bit of mental frailty. I think definitely we seemed a bit scrambled because um, that wasn't even the end of it. There was another uh, dismissal, only a couple of balls after that as well, wasn't there? So um, just horrible from the top order uh, this morning. Oh, yes. So three balls later, Ratch and Ravinja just um, smashed one to point off Hazelwood for a duck. He's another one that had come into this series in terrific form. So at that stage, the Kiwis had lost three wickets in five balls, two wickets to the bowlers, one run out. They're three for 12, and this is just nightmare stuff. Then at four for 29, uh, Mitchell edges one um, off Cummins to carry. He just sort of poked the one outside off stump, so four for 29. So that was the last ball of the Cummins over, and then first ball of the next over, Will Young was strangled down the leg side, just nerdled one off Mitch Marsh, and the Kiwis were 5 for 29 in reply to 383, having had a pretty even day on the first day. Australia just streaked ahead. And, Bob, I mean, I've mentioned this in the lead-up. I mean, there's there's something there now. Like, the the Kiwis just choke against Australia. There's, There's something, and I don't get it because you perform well against say, England and other teams. Like, it's, it's not like it, – it's an Australian problem. Like, there is – there's you know, our team has such an aura that, I don't know, it, it's like charms the Kiwi team. It's like, I don't know what it does. Puts a spell on them. Yeah, yeah. it's it's one of those ones that's hard to really explain, isn't it? Um, you know, New Zealand's been in Australia once in 30 years in a test match. Um, once in 30 years. That was in Hobart in 2011. Um, but the yep. last time we won a series was in 1986 when we had uh, Sir Richard Hadley at his pomps. So since 1986, we haven't beaten you guys in a series um, and we've only beaten you in one test match since then. So, you know, it's not a good record. And as you say, um, we can we can perform against everybody else. So, you know, I think it's one of those things that Australia, you know, you're just a very ruthless side. You know, we look at this bowling attack. I think they probably, they get a lot of credit, but I still don't think they get the credit they deserve. It's actually a fantastic um, lineup. And when you throw Lion in there as well with the quicks, I think you've got four in the top 11 in the world going around at the moment. So, and I mean, you can have a tough morning. So let's say the first session doesn't go well, you're in the field, but then you come out to bat and you just need to get one or two loose balls. You just need to get something going your way. You know, you just need something out of the middle and then, and then you're on your way. But there was just no respite from the Aussie quicks. And I think for as much as we want to bash the Kiwi batters, I think it's worth praising the Australian quick bowlers. I think Stark was really like on the money from ball one. I think he was actually Mm. finding some movement and Hazelwood was getting a um, quite surprising bounce. So I think it it surprised the Kiwi batters. Will Young in particular was hit a couple of times. He was hit, I think his first ball from Hazelwood, he was hit on the hand. And um, I think he was coming forward to try and sort of smother any potential movement or get to the, get to the ball before it moved. And it was just spitting up at him off a length. So um, yeah, full credit to the Aussie bowlers. Um, and that probably pays, plays just as much a part as uh, probably the mental frailty of the, of the Kiwis because we just didn't get any bad balls, you know? 
No. And reports are that the, the pitch is actually a little bit more difficult to bat today than it was yesterday because it's hardened up and some of the divots have hardened up. So there's there's a bit there if you can – there's a bit of grip there if you can get the ball in the right spot. And at 5 mm. for 29, we did see a little fight back. So Blundell and Phillips batted together and they um, put on 84 and uh, Glenn Phillips, I mean, it was a perfect situation for him to come and play a counter-attacking innings, and it was a class one. He made 71 off 70 and hit 13 boundaries and ended up, um, that's his first half century in Test cricket in New Zealand. So, you know, they put on 84, and, you know, it was a semi-fight back, not enough, and at six for, sorry, at five for 113, line gets Blundell, uh, just sort of coming down the wicket inside edge onto a sort of thigh pad caught by Travis Head in that um, silly mid-on. And that, that to me just showed Lyons bounce. You know, he gets such good top spin on the ball. It just got too big mm-hmm. on Blundell. He couldn't control it. And real credit goes to Lyon there. That was classic Lyon dismissal. And then Cougar Lyon played yep. a shocking shot. He's had a bad test match. Two balls, two balls in, just smacked one into the outfield. Um, so he was out for a duck and... At this stage, New Zealand 7 for 113. Uh, next to go was Glenn Phillips at 8 for 161. He was um, out hooking off Hazelwood. Um, good catch by Stark, but I thought a good innings from Phillips. I mean, he, he did resurrect it and add some pride to the scoreboard along with Matt Henry who made 42 um, coming in late and hitting four big sixes. Yeah, I think it's... Um... A tough situation. You want you want GP. You want him coming in when we've uh, taken the shine off the new ball. I think uh, he shouldn't. He should not be in that early. But yeah, I think he and Daryl Mitchell did a, a fairly effective counter attack, wasn't it? Um, they played a few shots. Mm. I think they moved the, they moved the scoreboard along, which we were in danger there of just sort of going nowhere and just uh, losing wickets. And um, so it was really good, I think, to get the scoreboard yeah. moving along. But then, as you say, Nathan Lyon with his with his bounce, um, and he was ripping it a long way. But, you know, he, um, I think they, Phillips and Mitchell, I think both sort of took a liking to Lyon. It seemed like their plan was to try and Blundell. upset him and, and knock him out of the attack. But, sorry, Blundell. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he wasn't. Um, and then Matt Henry he took a liking it. to him. Well, yes. Uh, well, he got a, he got away with a, quite a few agricultural uh, sort of slogs across the line, didn't he? There were a couple <laughs> of cricket shots in there. But, um, yeah, it didn't seem particularly textbook most of it. Yeah, but it was, uh, you know, like, um, Matt, so, you know, after being 5 for 29, you had Blundell's 33, Phillips 71, and then Matt Henry 42 off just 34 deliveries, three fours, four sixes. Yes. He was the last player out. So um, Lyon got the figures, four for 43, and Hazelwood got two for 55, then Stark, Cummins, and Marsh um, took one wicket each. But what's staggering is New Zealand only batted for 43.1 overs. I mean, that's not just bad as a batting unit, but it's bad for the Kiwi bowling attack because they were back out there to bowl for half an hour, 35 minutes before stumps and with no recovery time. And that's really going to, I think, affect them sort of into day three if Australia can keep them out in the field for a couple of hours. Well, that's exactly it. So, you know, we can talk all the baseball we like, but ultimately this is a five-day game, Test Cricket, and, you know, the the old-school um, method still works. Uh, take your time, <clears throat> tire out the bowlers, take the shine off the ball, bring them back for their third and fourth spells, and that's when you cash in. Um, so, mm. unfortunately, yeah, the Kiwis are, yeah, they're back out there bowling uh, at the end of day two after um, 
after uh, a day and a half bowling already. So it was very quick, wasn't it? 43 overs. Um, and Do you think Australia should have been forced to follow on? Do you think Australia should well, have been forced to follow on? Because they were 204 behind. So, you know, Australia could have been bowling in that last 40 minutes rather than um, the Kiwis with a new ball. Yeah, it was a very testing period as well, wasn't it, with the light fading um, and, and the new ball? Mm. It's an interesting one. Australia aren't really known for ever uh, enforcing the follow-on. They do it very, very rarely. Um, but if there's somewhere you might think about it, it might be here at the Basin Reserve because, as I say, it's, it does get better for batting as the, as the test goes on. Um, but I think there's forecast rain for day five, and that might have been in the back of their minds, and they might be thinking, hey, let's just... Yeah, let's get some runs on the board and, and wrap it up inside inside maybe three. Uh, hopefully, we can push it to, to day four or five. But uh, yeah, I think they they probably just wanted want to ram ram the nail home before we um, head to the second test. So it's it's a big psychological well, boost for them, I think. Well, I think Australia's two things. They've been scarred by the fact when Steve Waugh enforced the follow-on in India in 2001 and that's sort of taken follow-ons out of Australian cricket. And also I think when you've got a fast bowling skipper, they tend to lean on the yeah. side of let's put the feet up and have a rest before we have another spell. Um, and, and, look, I don't think it's it's the worst idea. If Australia can score quickly on day three and get a big lead, then they'll be bowling again. But there was an exciting little session to close play. Steve Smith was out for a third ball duck bowled by Southie, just chopping one on. It was his 10th test duck. Um, so Australia was one for none. And then in the fifth over, Marnus was out caught uh, by the keeper, it, it just a little nick off Southie for two. So that had Australia two for four. And then Lyon came out as the night watchman and he was six not out, Australia two for 13. But Marnus's average has dipped below 50 now. Um, but Australia have a huge lead, 217 runs with eight wickets in hand. But off the very last ball of the day, Matt Henry bowling to Nathan Lyon, edged it to the skipper Southie at third slipped, who dropped an absolute sitter. Um, so that disappointing end to the Kiwi day, and it really just summed up this whole test match for them, just slipped through Southie's fingers. Yeah, I'd love to say the game's well poised heading into day three with Australia effectively 217 for two, but um, yeah, there's got to be some scars. I think they'll be thinking about that one overnight. I don't know how much sleep some of the Kiwi batters will uh, will get, but hopefully they can find a way to uh, to rest and relax and come out refocused tomorrow. I think. Um, well, um, if you say, you know, we talked about. If, if you say what yeah, the, the batting conditions are better, their their best case mm. scenario is um, come out tomorrow morning, bowl Australia out, and maybe chase around 300, 340. And give keep themselves in the game, you know, because you know once it gets above three hundred and fifty, it's going to be very difficult to chase with line next to impossible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that has to be the mindset, right? It has to be. You've got to stay positive. You've got to think um, that they can get the rest of these Aussie batters that they did very well getting rid of Smith and Marnus, two big wickets uh, early mm. on. Almost got the goat last ball of the day, as you say. And I think maybe Lyon was thinking he's done his job. <laughs> with a, he'd made it through to the last ball, he and if he even if he had been dismissed, he'd still done his job. So, terrific effort from him. He's he's actually quite a an underrated night watchman in in world cricket. He's he seems to always do a job uh, for mm. the team. But no, you're right. I, I think you know a, a lot really rests on how the Kiwis come out tomorrow morning. Um, you know, we need to see them with some serious plans. Uh, I don't want to see guys out on the rope um, five minutes into the morning's play. Um, 
now we really have to be aggressive and we've got to got to look at taking wickets. So I think that's going to be the key um, because there's plenty of time left in the game. And as you say, you know, anything sort of 350-ish, uh, it, there's, there's potential there. And um, hopefully Kane doesn't run himself out again in any silly fashion. It's actually <laughs> the first time the first time Kane's been run out in Test cricket since 2012. So he's not he's not known for being problematic between the wickets. He's actually generally really good, but I think it just speaks to you know what we were talking about the the psychological edge the Australians have. And so we've just got to put that behind us and um, yeah, play some pro- play some uh, proper Test cricket tomorrow, Menas. Mm, well, Bob, thank you for joining me to wrap up day two of this Test match. Uh, I'm, I, I, it was a painful day for you to have to wrap it up, but. Uh, an enjoyable day. An enjoyable day's cricket. You know, a lot of action. You know, thirteen wickets fell, but Australia end the day two hundred and seventeen run in, runs in front with eight wickets in hand. Bob, thanks for joining me on Cricket Unfiltered. It's been great to catch up. Hopefully, I can talk to you again during the series. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, are you going to be going to the second test in Christchurch? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough. I've done my stint uh, in Australia and I've moved back to New Zealand now. I'm not too far from Christchurch, so I'll be heading to the second test. And um, yeah, hopefully it's still all to play for by the time uh, by the time I get there. Well, it will be. Even if we win, you know, it still could be a very unsatisfying one-all series at the end. Um, but that's the curse of a two-test match series. Uh, But, Bob, thanks for joining me. Take care, listeners. You've been listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, and we'll, we'll be back after day three. This is a Piccolo podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.